Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Talking City. I'm James Robson, the Manchester City editor for the Manchester Evening News. With me is Ian Cheeseman, 23 years as BBC Radio Manchester commentator. He's been covering City for around 30 years. You know exactly who he is. Uh, he's currently on Forever Blue on XS Manchester on Tuesdays. First of all, it's been a busy summer already, hasn't it? Um, what have you made of City's transfer business so far? Well, it was obviously what Pep wanted to do. He wanted to bring in pacey, younger fullbacks. He targeted those. Um, whether he's got everybody he actually wanted is, is a different question because we don't know who he was going for and who to believe. But in terms of Mendy, who I saw twice for Monaco in the games against City last season, he has a, a, a you know almost a, a winger, you know, a, mm, a fullback yeah. who is so pacey and, and, and actually aggressive, which is what you want, and he's youthful. So last season, where you had. Uh, fullbacks who perhaps couldn't be seen to play two games in a row sometimes or certainly regularly because of maybe their age or the type of players that they were, very good actually that they were in the peak, like Gail Clichy, he wasn't suited perhaps to the way that Pep wants to play. Now in Mendy, he's got that type of player. In Kyle Walker, although he's slightly older, he has that type of player. In Danilo, he also has that type of player. So he's now suddenly got three options and you can see him also using... Leroy Sane, as we saw perhaps in the Iceland game against West Ham, in almost the left fullback role. And it's something you've got to get your head around because yeah. I think it's going to be very, very different than the way it's been before. Uh, you know, you don't think of it as, as a fullback. You think of it, and do you then label it as a wingback? I don't know, but you label it as whatever you want to label it as. But it's certainly going to be something very attack minded. And it looks to me from the way he set the team up in the early games, that he's going to play with a back three quite regularly. And I think he sees John Stone's role, this footballing centre-half, as not being an out-and-out defender, but as being the sort of, dare I say, the Vincent Company role, <laughs> because he did that so effectively, in the centre of defence as one of those three, which allows those full-backs to bomb on. And I think his main transfer targets in the summer, whilst it... It may or may not have been these three individuals were certainly to strengthen at fullback, and he did that. Now the other the new signing is obviously the goalkeeper. There was a big question mark against uh, Claudio Bravo last season, and unfortunately for him, he didn't get off to the best of starts. I don't know whether that affected his confidence. The crowd was still hurting because Joe Hart had gone, who was one of their favourites, and there were certain sections, perhaps, of the crowd who I understand why. You know, were sort of almost resistant to Claudio Bravo, uh, so it didn't help him that. And, and obviously, he was brought in as this footballing goalkeeper who was, you know, going to be passing the ball around mm. and almost playing as an extra outfield player. And to put all that pressure on him, I couldn't help thinking at times that he, he looked at, 
you know, certain situations in the game and thought, well, you know, I've got to show here that I'm a footballer and I've got to pick out this pass when a simple one would have done. And maybe he overdid it a bit, that made him even more nervous, that made the crowd nervous. And, and then it seemed to be an out of control, don't overdo it, but a little bit of an out of control spiral that didn't do him any favours. The big problem was that, yeah, he was good with his feet, wasn't he? That's, that's what he was brought in for. But he couldn't save shots. You don't want to be cruel on him, but you know the, the amount of times that he just let in goals that you felt like he were, a keeper of that quality shouldn't be letting in. There were a number of goals that City conceded last year. Yet, you thought Joe Hart would have saved that. And yet, we know he can save those. Of course he can. Yeah. We know he yeah, can. He wouldn't be where he's been no. all these years, would he? So therefore, you know, you wonder how the psychology of everything affected mm. him and whether in those exact moments that you're talking about where he, he should maybe have saved that he was so aware of that, that he became very self-aware, that he didn't react in a yeah. natural way. So I felt very sorry for him. I think there's still a very good goalkeeper mm. there. But he's brought in a new, a new goalkeeper um, who I've not seen a lot of. I was on two of the games in pre-season in, in LA and in Houston, and I've watched the other two games, of course, on TV. And the one thing that slightly worried me a bit, I'll be honest, at this stage was he came charging out a little mm. bit too much. But as a goalkeeper, as a shot stopper, he did did okay. And and with his feet, he did okay. So hopefully, he'll get off to a good start, get the crowd behind him, who've now got used to Joe going, who've now accepted that it's going to be somebody else. And hopefully, he gets that mojo and that confidence right from the start. And he does look like a, a keeper with a lot of confidence. He's young, why wouldn't he be confident? And then he can go forward and, and really grab that role. He impressed me, I think, more than any other player on tour this summer. And I, I think like a lot of people who were at the, the game in Houston against United, were very worried when you saw him charging out and Lukaku scores that goal, doesn't he? And you thought, oh no, what's that? Guardiola's done it again here. Um, the way he recovered from that in the, in the following games, against, against Real Madrid, he made a number of really good saves. Uh, likewise against Tottenham. I think... The big thing for me was he was so positive. I know, yeah, he charged out and you made that mistake, but a lot of times you talk to defenders and they say they prefer that from a keeper. Yeah, they'll make mistakes, but they know that keeper's going to make a decision, he's going to be decisive, and he showed that, didn't he? That, what was it? I think it was Deli Alley in the Tottenham game, and he was out on him in, in a flash. It was a one-on-one, but he was right out on him, wasn't he, and stopped it. Mm. And already, I think he's, he's going to breed confidence into that defence in a way that, like you say, Bravo just didn't. From what I can remember from what Pep said last year, not specifically about this, but you're right, I think he, he wants um, a, a goalkeeper or a player who will have the courage of their convictions and do what he wants them to believe in and what he thinks they're good at. And if that means that sometimes they make a howler, over the course of a season, all right, a player might make two howlers. Yeah. But in, if you, at the other end, which we've not got to yet, City are blitzing opposition and scoring goals and you end up losing 5-2, then that doesn't matter if you've made that howler. Now, of course, in a perfect world, some managers believe that winning 1-0 is the perfect game. You know, you concede no chances, you create that one perfect opportunity, you win 1-0. I have to admit that I was brought up, because I'm, I'm getting on now, uh, under Malcolm Allison and Joe Mercer, and Malcolm's philosophy was score more than the opposition. Yeah. This guy is, it feels to me, in that mould. I love watching this football that City are playing at the moment. They're not quite there yet, but the manager's trying to get there. And if he does what he wants to do and goes the way I think he's going to go, even though you don't want to see the odd howler, 
the odd howler will sort of be forgiven because of the bigger picture yeah. that you're looking at. And I, for one, you know, have no problems with that. Now, he's not finished his, his spending yet. We, we know that. He wants a striker, which some people might think is incredible when you've got Gabriel Jesus, Sergio Aguero. We don't even know if Sergio Aguero is going to be a regular starter. Do you think Alexis Sanchez will be a City player? Maybe not at the start of the season, because we don't think he'll come for Saturday, but by the end of the, the transfer window. And do you think Kylian Mbappe will make the move when Real Madrid and PSG want him as well? Million dollar questions. Mm, well, the hundred and sixty million dollars <laughs> if it's Mbappe. It's a game of poker, this, isn't it? Mm. You know, and, and at the beginning of the transfer window, which I suppose starts at the end of the previous season, fans are always saying to me, "Who are they, they're going to ask him the same questions? Who are they going to sign? When they? When, why don't they bring them in early so that they can settle in? All those questions, which seems all very logical, but when you're talking about these multi, multi, multi million pound deals. That is what it is. It's a game of poker. So it's who blinks first. So Arsenal, under Arsene Wenger, want to get the highest price that they can possibly get if they resign themselves to the fact that Alexis Sanchez is going. And obviously there may be other people looking from the outside who quite fancy nipping in at the end if they can see that this player wants out and thinking that they're going to get the player. A bit Dani Alves-ish, mm -hmm. you yeah. might say, at PSG, because it looked to me as if he was nailed on City to come to City. Well. Yeah, and absolutely he was, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and then now we find out that maybe because of the Neymar incident, of him going there, and, yeah. and, and who knows what else, that's why he you know, turned left at the airport rather than right, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, in terms of the, the, the blinking first, Arsenal might wait until two days to go before the transfer window. City look at them right in the eye and they say, you know, no, this is, we're not going to pay that. And then in the end, they do, or there's a yeah. compromise. And it's impossible to, to actually know what's going to happen in that. And Bappi might, might be thinking, because we've heard Real Madrid now saying they're not going to move for him for at least a year. Mm -hmm. Does he then stay another year? But is staying at Monaco now are much weaker than they were because basically City have got all the best players. Do they, they think, well, he might not have another season like that. And if he loses momentum, does his value drop and do they look somewhere else? Because City were looking at, we think, Aubameyang at Dortmund a yeah. year ago yeah. and now they don't seem to be linked with him as much. So has he has that momentum reflected then in Mbappe and when do they lose momentum in that? So I can't answer the question. <laughs> Are they gonna sign him? It does feel to me as if there's gonna be at least one yeah. wow and I think both of them would be wow signings. So I think one of those, if not both, could still happen. Alright. You can't answer that. Can you answer <laughs> this? Do they need another forward? Yeah. You know, at the end of last season, Aguero was left out of the team and we're all thinking, well he's gonna go because he's Jesus is now the, the starting set forward. You still think they need another, stop, another striker? Stop thinking, James, uh, and even though you're younger than me, but stop thinking in the old way. People have said to me, and I'm sure we'll discuss this later on, what's the starting 11 going to be? Yeah. What's, City's, what's Pep's strongest team? There is no strongest team anymore. There isn't just two strikers. It isn't a case of choosing one or the other or saying those are the two strikers. I believe if City plays 60 games this season, that... Probably no player will pay, play more than 40 of those games. No yeah. player. Yeah. No player. And, you know, because there'll be a Champions League game midweek and before or after it there might be a Manchester derby or a trip to the Emirates or whatever, there will be no 11. So to say that 
and I'm sure that there'll be a lot made of this by by the press. You know that if Aguero misses this particular game yeah. or companies misses this particular game, that that means he's no longer a first choice. There is no first choices anymore. I, I just do the don't players, believe that. Do the players accept that? You know, like, I know that's how, that's how Guardiola thinks. It's like, yeah, I need a squad of 22, maybe even more than that, so I can challenge for the Champions League, challenge for the Premier League, everything. But did the players think that? Because when Sergio Aguero's left out and in the new camp, he's not happy about it. And how do you make him happy about that? Well, that, of course, that is the most difficult part of it all. But I do think that modern footballers do are now starting to see the bigger picture. If you'd have asked, I don't know, Nicholas Anelka uh, when he was at City, you know, uh, how do you feel about being left out this big game? He would have been furious because he knew that he was probably substantially better than the alternatives that City had at that particular time. And he would expect to play in every game because the mentality was different. Now City had moved on to a completely different era, have quality throughout. And obviously if they can, and I think they should, add at least one more top quality striker so that there's a permanent rotation. Of course, you can also argue that with injuries and stuff it would happen naturally but even if they were all fit that there'd be a natural rotation that you know Nicholas Anelka yes he'd be gutted Sergio Aguero Gabriel Jesus or Obama Yang or Mbappe or whoever it might be would have the conversation with Pep who I think is a brilliant man manager and, and who would then paint this picture of the whole the whole thing and I think there's a mm, you might say I'm being naive by this because it's only my opinion. What do I know? But I think that, that, that play, modern players in this era now understand this better than maybe they did in a previous era. Well, I think he's going to have to do some convincing because when <laughs> I. To convince when, you, he's, won't he's to convince me for a start. I'll be asking him every week. But when I look at it, I think Cristiano Ronaldo plays all the time, Messi plays all the time. Fair and, point. And I think Aguero considers himself in that bracket. And when he's been left out for a 19-year-old, I don't think, how, however well Guardiola sugarcoats it, he's not going to be happy. Uh, my feelings on Aguero have been, since he was left out of the side at the end of last season, that he would either go this summer, or if he stayed and they got Sanchez or Mbappe, we're going to have a, a whole season of questions about his future. And, and yeah, I, well, those I think that's on the table. Are coming from you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just preparing you for what's coming. <laughs> Yeah, I get that, but Aguero, look at his age as well now. He yeah. might actually think to himself, well, am I capable of playing in every game? Uh, yes, of course, when you highlight the new Camp and Barcelona and you say, would he be upset about missing that game? Yes, you're right to highlight that. And you're right that Ronaldo or Messi or now Neymar at PSG isn't going to miss any of those games. But is that the type of side and club that Pep's trying to build, where you've got a, a superstar. Yes, we think of him as a superstar, Aguero, and he is, because of what he's achieved. But it, City are not a one-man team. City, yeah. uh, and the whole, we're going to talk about midfield, no doubt, as well. There is, how do you pick that midfield? You know, there is no, there cannot be, that later. there can't be any first choices in that midfield. No. So, so they're all going to have to rotate as well. And I think that's the route City need and want and, and a right to go down which is this is not one superstar club like Ronaldo and Messi this is a team let's move on to Pep Guardiola he's spent more than 200 million pounds already if he gets the players he wants that could exceed 300 million 
He had his first trophyless season as a manager last season. Is there any manager in the Premier League under more pressure than him this season? Before I answer that question, he has spent over 200 million, you're right. But actually, a lot of people seem to ignore the amount that's come into the club as well, which is around about 60 million. So actually, his net is more like 150 in that sort of area. But that's me well, being that's nothing, pedantic. That's me being pedantic. He has spent a lot of money, that's the point you're making. Is a, the pressure on him, of course, is enormous. The pressure on every Premier League manager is enormous for different reasons. So you could even talk about Stoke and selling players and Mark Hughes. He will be under pressure now to justify not bringing players in or balancing books or whatever it is. Pep has a unique type of pressure because he has been brought in as, I'm sure the owners seem this way, and maybe this is an inappropriate word, I don't know, but he's sort of the messiah, isn't he? Mm -hmm. He's been brought in yeah. to, to move this club to uh, the next level and maybe even a couple more levels up from that. And so therefore, yes, the pressure's on. I don't think anybody puts more pressure on Pep Guardiola than Pep Guardiola does. I think these owners have demonstrated in what they've done since they've come in. I think he's the fourth manager, Pep, that they've had, from the one they inherited and through Mancini and then Pellegrini and on to Pep. Um, and if you look at what they've done previously, it's always felt to me, even when um, you know, Pellegrini came in, it always felt like it was with Pep in mind. So that puts even more pressure yeah, on because yeah. it feels like all the eggs are in this basket. You know, I wonder whether the, the people behind the scenes are thinking, who will the next one be? Now, they might be, and they might be thinking that it's, uh, you know, some of the, the grooming at the moment. Patrick Vieira, yeah. of course, was spoken about at one stage. That There could be other thoughts. But what I'm getting at is that it's all, it's all pep. It seems like it's all pep. But I honestly think that nobody puts more pressure on him than him. And I think the owners will show an extraordinary amount of um, patience if they have to with Pep. Now that said, when you saw Mourinho at Chelsea, who was absolute god there, have that really bad start, and obviously the press made a lot of the fact that he'd lost the dressing room or whatever, but whatever, the results, let's just look at the facts, were terrible at the beginning of that season. They didn't, didn't wait long before they pulled the, the, the bullet, you know, pulled the bullet, pulled the trigger, yeah. fired the bullet. Yeah. And, and yet the following season, pretty much that team won the league. So you could argue that Chelsea pulled the trigger too quick. Now Pep's got this longer term project. And if Mbappe or Sanchez doesn't come in and City don't dominate in the way that Pep and City want and don't win the league, you know, do you pull the trigger at that point or does Pep... And he might he will justify this, no doubt. Say, well, I still haven't got all of the pieces in place. You know, I need more time. I need more time. There'll be a section of people. There'll be people like you as a journalist. There'll be sections of fans who won't have that patience, and there'll be other sections of fans who say, and other journalists or other people who just observe from the outside who say, of course he should be given that time. And that's the fascinating tension that 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 is surrounds any manager really or any situation but I, I think he's, he's under more pressure from himself than he is from the owners or probably from the fans although an extreme situation like that Mourinho at Chelsea then puts a different focus on it but as long as it's not like that as long as we're in the top four as long as they're challenging as long as they're progressing this season and get to the knockout phase of the Champions League I don't see any knee-jerk panic you know, firings or anything like that. I think 
I think the, the club, the owners in Abu Dhabi, absolutely trust him. I think we've seen that this summer with the amount of money they've given him. Uh, he's got unprecedented control for a manager at City, hasn't he, since, mm. since they took over. He's been allowed to build this club in his own image, and you can see that, kind of, like you said, the, he's changing the face of Manchester City, and they're buying into that, aren't they? But these people are winners, aren't they? And they expect results. And I just, I just wonder, I don't know what would be a minimum for him this season. I, I, you would say he needs to win either the Champions League or the Premier League, but only at most two people can do that, can't they? Mm -hmm. And he's got fierce competition for that. I, I don't think it's quite as simple as if, if he doesn't win one of those, he'll get sacked, but you would imagine if he didn't win one of those, there would have to be very clear signs that they were very close to it, they? You know, maybe a Champions League final and second in the Premier League, something like that. But as you said, I think he's very comfortable in, with the pressure on him, isn't he? But I suppose he can be when you've got the record he's got, because even well, if he got the boot here, every club in the world would be queuing up for him, wouldn't they? I don't really want to talk about the other side, but if you look at United and Mourinho and his track record, he has been brought in to win trophies in exactly the way that you're talking about. His teams don't, I would argue, don't really entertain and have never entertained in the way that Pep wants his team to entertain. So therefore it becomes all or nothing with a Jose Mourinho team. So if we were discussing that team, I would say yes, there's enormous pressure on him to win major trophies because of what they've spent. Mm -hmm. I think there's something else about Pep. There is... There is there is, dare I say it and, it, and it's a horrible word, I know people don't like it, but it's a brand that surrounds him and something that City are trying to create, which is more than just winning trophies. Now, I know ultimately that is how you... I'm not stupid, I'm not naive, but if City play wonderful, awesome football and the, the crowd are loving it and, and there is a wow factor in, in, in performances and games and you don't quite make the trophies, to me, that's still a great season. It isn't all about winning trophies. Now, maybe do that's you, because I'm a, I'm a blue. Yeah. I don't know. Do the club <laughs> think that? I, 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 I get what you're saying about it being a do. brand. It is, it is a brand. But you're buying into a brand that wins trophies because that brand has won more trophies than anybody else over the, maybe, that period of time. Maybe, but City's fans, and, and, and I can't speak for them all, and I don't pretend to speak for them all, um, but, I, you know, through... The years I've been going home and away as a fan and as a journalist, I think I have a, a reasonable handle on what, the, let's say, the majority think. And having gone through the, the, the difficult times without trophies and, and, and come together as a group and really bonded and, and have a kinship. Now, I know there's different generations and others coming through looking at it in a different way, but that's still, at the moment, the mm -hmm. sort of core City fans. I don't think it's all about winning trophies. Honestly, I don't. And I, my understanding, I've never been lucky enough to meet Sheikh Mansur. I've had very brief meetings with Khaldun. Um, so I can't, get, I can't claim to have the inside knowledge of the way that they think. But if you look at their actions, at the way they've, you know, the, things like that, which may seem irrelevant, but caring about changing the badge mm -hmm. and stuff like that, it feels to me that these are a very a gracious, gentlemanly group. I hope I'm right on this. Who, who believe ethically in trying to create a, a team that has that plays the right way, that entertains, and a club that, that acts in the right way. And so therefore I would hope that uh, you know, the pleasure and entertainment side is as is important as the actual putting a, a little mark on the bedpost that says I won that trophy on that day. 
And I go along, I buy into that. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, I want to see him win the quadruple this season. Uh, it, isn't, you know, it isn't about saying, don't want to see a trophy. It's about saying, you can get too fixated on that. And, and actually, isn't in, in any sport, you know, you watch Federer in, in the, the Wimbledon final this year. And when it gets to the point where he knows he can win that title that takes him to, to be the ultimate winner, when he's serving in that final game, he can't do it because he's too tense and too nervous. So if you can create that, that environment of joy and entertainment, which I think is what Pep and these owners are trying to do, you can express yourself. The second you get to that point where you have to win a game, does that go? Well, I'm going to fixate on trophies, even if you're not. <laughs> Do you think he'll win the title this year? Um, if he gets that extra striker, mm-hmm. and, and maybe a, uh, whoever it is, a Van Dyke or whatever, as a defender, yeah, I do think they'll win the, 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 the title this year. But so another £100 question, million pounds here, then, is what you're saying? Well, uh, yeah, you're fixating on the money again. It isn't about the money. It's City uh, uh, started from a long way back. I mean, you know, they weren't in the Premier League when all this money came in. So the club isn't structured in the same way. So, yes, they're spending more money. But let's also be honest and say that that's what every club Absolutely. everywhere does, every yeah. league does. You yeah. know, Bayern Munich win the German League because they spend the most money. Yeah. But that's, that's life. We are where we are. So, yes, he's got to go out and, and spend a bit more money. And uh, uh, that's why, come back on September the 1st, and I'll be a m- lot more fulsome, really, in, in my predictions. But at this stage, we don't know whether yeah. Mbappe, whether Sanchez, whether whoever is going to come in. And that could, and, or at the other clubs as well. Yeah. We, so that could make a big difference. So, but with this current squad, then, if the business ended now... You wouldn't be as confident about winning. No, I'd, I'd still be confident. Yeah, I think it's still. I think it's probably the strongest squad in the Premier League. Yeah, now. yeah, I would agree. Chelsea haven't really strengthened. Certainly, Tottenham haven't at this point in time. United have strengthened. Yeah, yes, maybe similar sort of level. But mm, I've, I've been not sure about <laughs> that, but yeah, <laughs> uh, I think I think he's brought in some really good players and addressed areas that were desperate to be faced. Yeah, the pace and 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 the the youth. Uh, particularly at fullback, is a, and, and and we haven't even mentioned Bernardo Silva. Yeah. You know, he he was dazzling in those two games yeah. against City, and he w- when suddenly that name appeared, I thought, wow, yes, fancy him, yeah. So yeah. Uh, you know, and, and he's he's only young, and at some point David Silva yeah. will move on, so he could be the heir apparent to that. So no, I I I agree that City to me are my I. I've got to say, I tipped Chelsea to win the league last year. Okay. And, uh, and so this year... Did I'm, you tip I'm... Leicester the year before? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tip City this year. Now, I think this is going to be the hardest question to answer every week. Now, every week on the Manchester News, we do a, a team predictor. Uh, I think in the last 10 years, I might have got it right once. Um, <laughs> this season, I don't think we're going to improve on that looking at the options Guardiola's got. But let's try to pick his first 11 for the first game of the season. Um, we've already discussed this, haven't we? And I think we're struggling to come to a consensus, aren't we? But, but let's give it a go. I think we can agree on the goalkeeper, can't yeah, we? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, goal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, my own personal, if you're asking me, my, uh, first of all, you're very lucky that you've got me sat here today because last week um, I, I, I was privileged to go into... Pep's 
office. Oh, right. And he sat and told me the team he was going to pick for Brighton. I'll just let you go through then. So, and obviously if you believe that, you believe anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to get that sort of information, no matter who claims what. Yeah. So, Edison in goal, yes, absolutely. I and think we, he'll pick a back three. Yeah, we think back three we're going yeah. with. Given um, what he's done in pre-season. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, therefore, that back three sort of picks itself, yeah. uh, which is... I'm, I'm, I know we've discussed this off camera and talked about maybe company being the player we'd want as the centre of those three. And I agree, I yeah. agree. I think company's at his best in the middle. However, I think he'll be the right of those three. Although it won't be fixed, you know, they yes. will move around. But I think company will be the right of the three. John Stone's in the middle, Nicholas Otamendi on the left of the three. I think Kyle Walker will start at right back. Uh, now, the left back is interesting because he went with. Um, Leroy Sane for, for quite a lot of the game in Iceland I think um, Danilo there I think Danilo I think he looked yeah. quite good actually on yeah. tour playing yeah. that position I mean he's a right he's a right, he's a right footed back. player he's a right so, back isn't he yeah so you know it's you know but then Glimpardo was a right footed left back so right going really back so I wouldn't worry about that too much I'm sure he can do that so I think that's that's your, your, your five I do think personally that Yaya will sit in front in this game, it might not be every week, but I think he'll sit in front of that back three. I'd call it a back three rather than a back five because the other two will push yeah. forward so much. I think Torre now is that first choice holding midfielder this season, which when you look at last season, it's incredible, isn't it? Because mm. he was on his way out, wasn't he, frankly? Yeah. Uh, and Fernandinho was being talked of as a future captain of City, wasn't he? But I think... The way Torre came back into the team last season, he became absolutely pivotal, didn't he, again? He remembered just what a top player he is, if anyone forgot. I think his greater passing ability put him ahead of Fernandinho for me. Yeah, I, that's something that's underestimated by a lot of people. They think back to the Yaya Torre of the charging runs, mm. which was majestic and lovely yeah. to watch. But I think that the, the thing that people overlook a little bit is the very careful threading passing uh, in his retention of possession, which is yeah. very big for Pep. And actually, if you analyse a lot of the goals, um, we talk now about assists and goal scorers. Often the pass before the assist is Yaya. Uh, so I think he's, he's quite crucial. Gundogan will come into that role as well, obviously, at some point. Um, and, and there may be even other ways that you can shift it around. De Bruyne but, possibly as well. Yeah, he yeah, likes yeah. him there, doesn't he? Yeah, so, but, but for this one, for Brighton, yeah. if you're pinning me down, I'd go for Yaya. That means I'm going to go for two strikers. I think he's going to pick Aguero and Jesus. But well, that will save a lot of arguments at least, yeah. won't for the start of the season. But go on then. You, know, so you go against a, a newly promoted team on their own ground who are going to presumably be buoyed up and really energetic. And I personally think... The way to, to do that for City is to just go at them right from the start, yeah. get an early goal, and better to do that with those two rather than have one up front. So then that leaves three behind. Um, I, I would obviously have Yaya in that central role, which means then you've got De Bruyne and David Silva. Now, you, you, you know, you're going to come back at me and say... Hang on, does that leave three behind? Three behind, yeah. So I've got the numbers right here. One in goal, three... Two on either side. Yeah. That leaves you six. One Yaya Torre. Yeah. Uh, then seven. And then you've eight, got two nine, up front as well. Ten, eleven. You've got twelve there. No. That's three, that's... three behind the front two. Yeah. Oh, you include well, Yaya in the three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Yaya sitting there. The Bruyne and Silver, the two mm -hmm. very attack-minded support players to Jesus and Aguero. That's what I think he will pick. Which means, of course, no Bernardo Silva. No, Raheem Sterling, 
and, and another players and that were looking Roy for Fernandinho and Leroy Sane. So it's around £150 million worth of there you go, young players. Money again. You know, it's a squad game now. It's a squad it game. It is. How do, you, um, how do you convince Raheem Sterling and Leroy Sane that this is for, for the best, that they sit this one out? Uh, Leroy, uh, this is only one game. You may well be playing against Everton. Uh, this is no reflection on you. Uh, I'm, I'm saving you for other games. You know, and you do. I think you could have a role in the <laughs> backroom back team. And it'd be um, true because you'll see Sane play at left wing back sometimes, yeah. and you'll see him play on the left hand side of a three, or when when only one striker plays as one of the four. So he'll play. He'll play. With those wing backs, does that does that create an issue for the likes of Sane and Sterling? Because of course they're the wide men, aren't they? Maybe. And if you're going to play wing backs, it is difficult to get those in, into the yeah, team, isn't it? Maybe, maybe. But that's part of the rotation. That's part of the rotation. If, if Alves had come, then you would have had potentially three right backs, you know, and so therefore it would have made it even harder for, for Raheem Sterling. Mm. Um, at left back, obviously, Kolarov went quite late on at the moment. You know, yes, Fernandinho can play there. I've even seen sort of Otamendi drift out a bit to the left, but you haven't, don't seem to have that same strength. Mm. So I can certainly see Sane, you know, playing yeah. that role quite a bit in some of the games. Yeah, I see that. Is, is this the is this the year that David Silva is not the guaranteed starter? None of them are the guaranteed starters. But Silva always James, has been, hasn't you've he? got to stop thinking like <laughs> I that. I can't. <laughs> There's no guaranteed starters. Um, the goalkeeper's going to be the nearest to a, a guaranteed starter. And because I am such a huge Vincent Company fan, if he stays fit, he'd be a guaranteed starter for me. But there might not be much else that's guaranteed. Well, if, there are, if he's going to play with three centre-backs, then the three centre-backs are pretty much, aren't they? That's about just at the because, moment. At the yes. moment, until, yeah, yeah. until they bring in Virgil van Dijk. Or whoever. <laughs> Who yeah. they're not. They're, they're, <laughs> we, we hear they're no longer interested in, to be clear. It's going to be cover they're talking about at centre-back is, is what they want, rather than a marquee name. Um, is that a right move? Do you think? Bit, well, mate, yeah, but not, they won't always play with three like that no, either. No, they're playing with yeah, two. You know, they'll play with two, but yes, I do think they need... Um, uh, you know, top quality centre back. Yeah, stu- still think that. I mean, I know there's question marks against Nicholas Otamendi, and people have said he he dives in a bit. I like him. He's an old fashioned defender. Yes, he's not perfect, but who is? But I I quite like him, and uh, obviously I love Vincent Company and John Stones is a different type of player. He's not an out and out defender. Now you can either buy into that and say yes, he's a libero. You've mm. used that expression. Um, who, who will bring the ball out and that might well work in that three in a two I have to admit that I have slight doubts about John Stones as an out and out defender in a two but in the three maybe that real role suits him So do you see that back three or back five however you want to look at it do you think that is the best way that City can line up with the players Guardiola has or would you rather Probably, see Probably, yeah. yeah. But again, it, you know, it may, may be that against a different opposition or in a set of three fixtures, one after the other, that you can't just stick to one plan and that you will vary it around a little. But yes, if you, if you only had, had one game to play, if the season was one match, then I think that would be the ideal way for this set of players to be structured. But Pep knows better than me. Mm, he does. He's won a lot more trophies than you. Yeah, absolutely. I think I would lean towards four-three-three, but getting complicated. One of those midfielders dropping right. back into a kind of a three to you let know, those wingers. You know how we've had on. this discussion about picking an eleven. Mm. I'm not sure that when you sit there on day one and you see the team he's picked, 
the first, and I would do this as well, I'm not saying it, this is just you, but I would want to write, you would want to write them out in a formation. Yes, yeah. And I don't, I'm, I don't think that formation will even last you in a game. No, it doesn't exist anymore, does no. it? When they're in possession, it's one. When they're out of possession, it's another. Yeah, it's different a stages of the game. Really, You're one nil up, you know, then the, it changes again. Yeah. You, obviously, the liberal use of substitutes, I know Pep's talked about having more flexibility with substitutes, something he'd like to see changed. And I can see why, because of the way he thinks. So therefore, he has different, yeah. you know, phases of games where you have different structures, so different formations. Well, we'll see if you're right on Saturday. Thanks for joining us today, Ian. Uh, hopefully we'll see a lot more of you this season. Well, I'm, I'm here. You know I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been brilliant seeing you. Let's just get a final prediction for you, though, on the, like the weekend. What do you think it'll be? Uh, doing score predictions is something I'm always very reluctant to do, but I'd say I'm very confident that City are going to go to Brighton and and ride what I'm sure will be a, uh, you know, a bit of a way from them, if you pardon the expression with me, in the coastal town. But as a newly promoted club, with, with a big day for them, and, and I do wish them well for the season, if they can ride that, which I'm sure they will, City, get that early goal, then I think in the end it might be a relatively comfortable win. Fingers crossed, anyway. I agree, I'm going to go for about four or five. Well, I'm not going to put a number on it. One would do for me and play well. <laughs>